I want to speak on the subject of forgiveness and learning, particularly learning how to forgive. And, um, and I think that's synonymous. It's real close to mercy. And I realize there's other elements of mercy that we could expound on. But being able to show mercy in the area of forgiving someone that has offended us. And today I want us to look at primarily three different divisions as I try to unpack this message this morning on forgiveness. I want to talk about God's forgiveness. I want to speak briefly on human forgiveness. But then I want to unpack what real forgiveness looks like. And so I promise you I'll be brief. I realize, matter of fact, I, I got a little bit convicted last night. I was talking to Jacoby in the living room at the house, and, and he was talking about the Bible conference, and, and he was talking about a particular speaker that had five points, and under each one of the points he had five subpoints. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, in the back of my mind, I've got three points, and I've got four or five subpoints under my points. And, and so the Lord used Jacoby to help me shorten this message this morning. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed through the first part of it and, and unpack a little bit more what real forgiveness looks like, hoping and praying that I don't bore you to death as I share some content, some scripture with you about what forgiveness looks like, okay, and, uh, and how we are to live a life of, of forgiveness. Before we go any further, let's just go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we stand in need of you today. And God, I stand here full aware that I am nothing without you. I can't be the Christian husband, the father, the man of God, the pastor, the preacher that I need to be without you. And Father, I just acknowledge in the presence of this congregation that I'm standing here completely dependent upon you this morning. And Father, I just pray that you would speak through me as you have stirred my heart and my soul this past week in the area of forgiveness. I ask you, Lord, now to help me put into words, help me to articulate the things that you have put in my heart. God, may it not stop there. I invite the Holy Spirit into this place. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the words that I'm going to say and pierce the heart of each one that's sitting here today. Father, I realize that the very best that John Cannon can do today is to reach someone's Year. That's the best I can do. And how I stand in need of you to take the message all so much deeper than into the ear canal and the eardrum. I pray you take the words that I'm going to share and drive it down into the deeps, the depths of our being and the deepest part of our soul and our heart. God, that's only what you can do. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the Word of God and make us more like the Son of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
As we think about the subject of forgiveness this morning, I started just scrounging some of my resources and digging out some quotes and thoughts and stories, if you will, about forgiveness. There's a few of those I'd like to share with you. I've I've discovered that when a rattlesnake is backed into a corner, that oftentimes the rattlesnake will get so upset that he'll begin to bite himself. And as I read that story, I got to thinking, that's exactly what happens to individuals when they do not experience forgiveness. Either there's someone you need to forgive or there's someone you need to ask to forgive you. And when neither one of those are dealt with, we become just like this rattlesnake that backs ourselves into a corner and begins just attacking and biting and spraying our poisonous venom everywhere we can. I also read the, the story of Carl Menninger, which was the famous psychiatrist. And he said this, and I thought it was pretty ironic. He said that if he could convince the patients in his psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, he said that 75% of every one of his patients in the psychiatric ward would rise up and go home the very next day if they just realized that they could be forgiven. I also read a story about a man, and he was talking to another man, and, and he said, Every time my wife and I get into an argument, he said, she always gets so historical. And the man said, historical? (laughs) Don't you mean hysterical? And he said, no, 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 no. She gets so historical. She brings up everything, every flaw, every fault, every problem, every argument that we've ever had. She brings it up and throws it into the argument again. Would you say with me that possibly this lady has some unresolved anger and possibly a bit of unforgiveness deep down in her heart and her spirit? If she's always going to bring it up again. Some of the guys say amen right there. Here's a couple quotes that I found. Someone, and we don't know who this quote is, it's an anonymous quote, it says this, There is no revenge so complete as forgiveness. Think about that. There is no revenge so complete as forgiveness. I also read, and I dug this out, another anonymous quote, very profound, says this, We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like men when we judge. But we are most like God when we forgive. Wow. Let that one settle in your heart. We're most like beasts when we kill. We're most like man when we judge. We're most like God when we forgive. Here's a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea. 
until he has something or someone to forgive. You see, uh, we all believe that. Just forgive them. Matter of fact, I wonder how many times have we given that counsel to someone? Just forgive them and move on. Just ask God to forgive you, you forgive them and move on. We've given that counsel over and over and over again. But you know what? Here's what I've discovered. The counsel is far easier to give than it is to practice. There's so many different elements that rise up in our life that hinders us in the area of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not natural to man because it is so foreign to fleshly human nature that people find it very difficult to forgive others. King Louis Twelfth of France articulated the feeling of many people when he said this, a quote, Nothing smells so sweet as the dead body of your enemy. That comes from an individual that has difficulty in forgiving their enemy or someone that has wronged them. Pretty deep subject, isn't it, whenever you start unpacking the aspects of forgiveness. And I'm not going to be able to give you an exhaustive message today on the whole topic or theme of forgiveness. But my prayer is that I'll be able to insert in your heart, in your mind, some biblical principles concerning forgiveness. And my prayer is that you'll take those and apply them because I've discovered this. If you don't forgive those who have hurt you, you will grow to be a bitter, bitter, bitter mean-spirited person. It would be like a cancer that eats at your soul. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your happiness. It will rob you of your enthusiasm. It will permeate every area of your life. The cancer of being unforgiving towards someone or something that has happened to you. I hope and pray that we learn how to forgive today and that we apply it to our lives. Several weeks ago, I was listening to Chuck Swindoll. I love to listen to that man preach. I heard uh, Pastor Swindoll share the story about a soldier that had come back from Iraq. And they were talking, the soldier was sharing the story about what had happened when he came home from Iraq. And, and he was in a convoy of, of jeeps and hummers and whatever else is in the convoy. They came under attack. Many were killed, many were wounded. But he shares this story. He says that his convoy came under attack. And the driver of the jeep that he was in was severely injured. The sergeant realized that his driver was seriously hurt and started attending to him. And in the middle of the attack, he looked at one of the soldiers and he said, Drive the Jeep! Drive the Jeep! And the soldier stopped and looked back at his sergeant. He said, But sir, I've been hit! The sergeant looked at him and screamed, We've all been hit! Drive the Jeep! 
whenever I heard that story, I got to thinking about our lives. I got to thinking about my life. I got to thinking about our church family. And see, after you pastor a group of people for 11 years, you get to know some people pretty well. I've seen some of you in your high moments and some of you in your low moments and some of you in your spiritual highs and some in your struggles. But here's one thing I've discovered and one thing I know. We've all been hit. We've all been hit. And here's something else I know. Not only have every single one of us been hit, but every single one of us has hit somebody else. You see, not only have we been hurt by someone, but we've caused hurt on someone. Hello? Say amen or on me. Let me know you're listening to me. Listen, we have hurt people or people have hurt us. We've all been hit and we've all hit other people. So what I'm here to tell you today, drive the Jeep. You can sit there and lick your wounds if you want to. You can sit there in a spirit of unforgiveness if you want to. You can sit there and grow bitter if you want to. You can sit there and lose your joy if you want to. You can sit there and lose your happiness if you want to. But I've decided, as in my life, I am going to learn how to forgive people because I realize that all of us are sinful creatures. Everybody's hit somebody. And we've all been hurt one way or another. And the best way to deal with it is to learn how to forgive people and go on. Amen? Let me just give an invitation and we'll close out this message, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Listen, guys, we've all been hurt. You've been hurt. I've been hurt. We've all been hit. We're all wounded. We're all bleeding. We've all got scars. Nobody promised you that when you became a Christian that life would be just smooth sailing. As a matter of fact, just the contrary is in the Word of God. There's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be hard places to get through. Now, the the great message for the believer and the Christian is that we have the Comforter, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit that comes alongside of us and He ministers to us and He grows us and He helps us and thank God for that. Listen, guys, we've all been hit. But I challenge you today, think about the person who hit you. When I say hit, I'm talking about that individual that has hurt you deeply. And we could all sit down and unpack all of that. And probably every one of us within 30 seconds would be in tears when we start unpacking how we've been hurt. We've all been hit. And we've all hit somebody else. What we need to learn how to do is forgive. Amen? If we don't, it'll rob us of our joy, our happiness, our peace. It'll rob us of life. We will live the rest of our life incarcerated. Jesus said, I don't want you to live like that. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But in order to experience that, we're going to have to be a people that learns how to forgive. Real quickly, Jacoby, I'm hurrying up. Number one, God's forgiveness. I'm going to give you three or four things here real quick. I'm going to hit these and go. 
How can we experience God's forgiveness? Write this down. Number one, experiencing God's forgiveness comes through confession and repentance. Experiencing God's forgiveness comes through confession and repentance. Number two, jot this one down. Forgiveness is complete when confession isn't. Forgiveness is complete when confession isn't. Let me go back to number one. Experiencing God's forgiveness comes through confession and repentance. The, the psalm, the Psalm 51, is, is David's prayer of confession and repentance. And he says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. And against you and you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Guys, just let me, let me, just let me insert right here and I'm going to move on. To get God's forgiveness, all you have to do is confess it to the Lord, and He forgives you. And that's what David did. You may be thinking, boy, you just don't know what I've been involved in. You just don't understand what I have done, or you don't know what someone has done for me. The Scripture says, confess it. When we confess and repent of our sins, as David did, we then can experience God's forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9, the verse I've already read and used today. That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So forgiveness comes in experiencing God's forgiveness through confession and repentance. Forgiveness is complete when confession is not what I mean by that. I've, I've discovered that there's two or three different types of individuals whenever they go to God and confess their sins. As a matter of fact, I know the one individual that goes to God or one person in, that falls into this scenario or a group of people that fall into this scenario are the individuals that go to God and say, God, forgive me of that sin. And immediately he forgives you. But then they go on living the rest of their life in guilt of that sin. They feel like they've got to ask God over and over and over and over again to forgive them of that sin. Friends, let me tell you something. The moment you ask God to forgive you of your sin, He says, I have removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. You do not have to keep confessing that thing over and over. Let it go. God has forgiven you. Amen? But then there's another individual or another group of people that I believe falls in the area of believing they must confess every little single sin in their life. And they live almost in bondage and they're so afraid that, that God is going to send them to hell. Let me tell you something. Every sin that you have ever committed in this life was placed on the cross of Calvary when Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. And I'm talking about all your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins have been nailed to the cross. You say, preacher, wait a minute now. I, don't, I haven't confessed the sins that are in my future yet. Honey, let me tell you something. Every one of your sins were nailed on the cross, were in the future for you before you were even born. Amen? Some people believe that as a believer and a child of God, that if I die with one unconfessed sin in my life, that I'll split hell wide open. Now, you can't find any theology, any doctrine, any scripture in the Word of God that will back up that mindset. Hello? Now, I'm not condoning living a sinful lifestyle just that, oh, God, forgive me and go live however you want to live. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying, there's some people that are so afraid of living 
And so afraid of dying because they have a fear that one little unconfessed sin may send them to hell. Matter of fact, I remember an individual teaching a, a lesson one time, and I, I had to correct the individual afterwards. And, and he talked about how if you die with one little bitty spot of sin on you, you're going to hell. I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's ludicrous. You can't find that in Scripture. When you go to God and ask for forgiveness, He forgives you. Now, you're to walk in the newness of life. You're to strive to live holy. But, friends, I want you to understand, you can experience God's forgiveness a lot of that. Past, present, all your sins forgiven. Amen? Number three, I'm not sure if this will be up there or not. I see my screen. is Maybe we're running out. That's my fault as well. I'm sorry. This morning I was, I was moving things over, and whenever I imported this slide presentation, it changed the font size on me, so some of the words aren't going to be up there. I noticed it in the scripture reading this morning. That's my fault also. Had a rough morning this morning. Please forgive me, will you? Number three, honest confession includes turning away from sin. Honest confession includes turning away from sin. And guys, listen, when you realize that you've sinned, turn away from it. That's what repentance is. It's, it's turning and going the opposite direction, turning away from it. And then the fourth one you need to jot down. I'm not even sure it'll be up here. Confession reestablishes our relationship with God. Confession reestablishes our relationship with God. Write that down. The moment that you ask God to forgive you, then you're born into the family of God. And you now are a son or a daughter of, the, of God Almighty. You're a brother or sister of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're heirs and joint heirs with Him, the Scripture teaches. And it establishes and reestablishes our relationship and then our fellowship. You see, your fellowship can be broken because of unconfessed sin as a child of God. But whenever you confess that, you're, you're now reestablished in the area of your fellowship with God. That's a little bit about God's forgiveness. There's a whole lot more I could say about that, but I've got to move on. Number two, write this one down in the area of human forgiveness. Why should we forgive one another and how are we to do it? A great model in the Bible in the area of forgiveness, genuine human forgiveness, is Joseph. And I'm not going to have time to unpack his story. But in Genesis chapter 45, 1 through 5, there is where Joseph is revealing himself to his brothers. And now his brothers had wronged him. Right? They had betrayed him. Actually, one of them wanted to kill him. And they said, no, let's throw him in this empty cistern. And then finally they dug him out of there and they sold him to a band of gypsies, so to speak, going by. And then he goes down into Egypt and, and then he's falsely accused. I mean, the story, I mean, on and on and on. And he could have harbored tremendous resentment towards his brothers for what he did. But we find in Genesis chapter 45 and verses 1 through 5, and especially verse number 5, Joseph now is second in command of the entire kingdom. His brothers are now at his, completely at his mercy. And he says, and I can't unpack the whole subject here, but in verse number five he says, talking to his brothers, don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Joseph knew how to forgive and he had a way of putting things in perspective. And guys, I think there's a tremendous model there for us. Joseph was rejected. He was kidnapped. He was enslaved. He was imprisoned. But yet he was still offering forgiveness to his brothers. i got to move on. Number two, jot this one down. Forgiveness is a mark of the Christian life. 
In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, down through verse number 21, forgiveness is a mark of the Christian life. The scripture says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Wow. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Okay. We look at that scripture and say, okay, but here's what that looks like through the week. Someone offends you, that's it, I'm done. You know what you've just done? You've repaid evil for evil. Someone's hurt you. I'm done. I'm just so done with that individual. You know what you're doing? You're harboring a spirit of unforgiveness that will wind up destroying you. You see, you're not really hurting the other person. You're hurting yourself. The other person will go on and live off. You're the one that's incarcerated. You're the one that won't let it go. You're the one that's going to become bitter. You're the one that's going to lose your joy. You're the one that's going to lose your happiness. That other person's going on. But we incarcerate ourselves thinking, I'll show him. I'll show her. No, you won't. You're going to damage your own soul. You're going to damage your own life by having that spirit of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is the mark of a Christian. Don't repay evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me, to God. I will repay, says the Lord. But as far as you're concerned, in verse 20, that's a paraphrase. Here we go, verse 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Oh, wow. If we could only live out those four or five verses. It would change our lives. It would change our families. And in essence, it would probably change our entire church. If we all lived in the area of forgiving one another. I want you to write this down. I don't have a slide for this, but I want you to write this down. There's a difference between mercy and grace. Okay? Here's what I want you to write down. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Mercy is God not. The emphasis is on not. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. But grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. Amen? Aren't you glad we serve a merciful God? What is mercy? Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. You see, I deserve hell. Let me tell you why I deserve hell. Because I know who John Cannon is and who he was. Just an old wretched sinner. Romans chapter 3, you can read all about me. My biography is right there. Amen? By the way... Your biography is there as well. None of us deserve the goodness of God. But God extended His mercy to us. You see, mercy is God giving us what we do not deserve. Or what we are not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. Just let that set on your heart. That's why, as a child of God, forgiveness should be a mark in our life. 
Because if we want to be like him, we've got to learn to forgive. Write this one down. Number three, forgiveness is contrary to the pattern of the world. Forgiveness is contrary to the pattern of the world. Forgiveness is contrary to the pattern of the world. You see, in this day of lawsuits and demands for legal rights, to have a spirit of forgiveness is so foreign. Matter of fact, you see TV commercials all the time. Has someone offended you? Has someone hurt you? Has someone unjustly done this to you? The answer to all that, yes. It's called life, dude. And you know what these attorneys and these lawyers have done? They have capitalized on the Adamic nature of of mankind. And we're stupid enough and we're naive enough to fall into that secular way of thinking. There was a time when I used to really love those big wooden pulpits because you could almost hide behind them after you said something. This thing is so transparent, there's nowhere to run after you make a statement like that or hide. Guys, you know what? Forgiveness is contrary to the pattern of the world. The world is saying, have you been wronged? You did not deserve to be wronged. Retaliate. Show evil for evil. Get them back. And guys, we've got to watch ourselves or we as Christians will fall into that worldly trap. Forgiveness is contrary to the pattern of the world. Fourth one, jot this one down. Forgiveness is an act of the will. Forgiveness is an act of the will. You see, it's something you just choose to do. You say, I've heard people counseling individuals, you just don't understand. I cannot forgive them. Just let me be blunt, and I'll try to be as, as kind and merciful as I can here. You're lying to yourself. If you say, I cannot forgive them, all you have done is lied to yourself. Amen? I don't know if this is what you were looking for this morning, but this is kind of what the Lord laid on my heart. I hope you're okay. Everybody okay this morning? Hello? This will make you a better person, I promise you. Now, I told you it's not easy. It's a lot easier to give the counsel than it is to live it out. Hello? Well, what we got to understand is that forgiveness is an act of the will. It's something we just choose to do. It's an attitude we choose to have. It's a mindset we choose to carry out. It's actions we choose to do. It's love we choose to extend. It's forgiveness we choose to give. It's mercy and kindness and graciousness and a phone call and a hug and gentleness that we choose to extol on someone. Hello? I just can't do that. Well, I know you can't unless you choose to forgive. Hello? Now remember our opening illustration of the soldier in the jeep that got hit. And he was complaining to his sergeant, I can't drive the jeep. I've been hit. The sergeant said, we've all been hit. Drive the jeep. And he got in the jeep and drove off. We've all been hurt, guys. Hello? Every single one of us. Matter of fact, for some, the wound is so fresh, it's still oozing. For some right now. 
You don't want to think about it. We put it aside. We dress up. We come to church. We hope we don't have to talk about it. We sing these great songs. We just focus on God. But you see, Christianity is not something you do. It's who you are. And it's what we live out in our lives. And to be a true child of God, you're going to have to experience God's forgiveness. And if you're going to experience His forgiveness for all the wrong that we've done to Him, you must learn to forgive one another. Let's talk about real forgiveness, and I'll try to wind this thing up this morning. Real forgiveness. What does genuine forgiveness look like? Number one, if we expect to be forgiven, we need to practice forgiveness. If we expect to be forgiven, we need to practice forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. It says, if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. You see, I believe in this passage of Scripture, Jesus gave a very startling warning about forgiveness. And here's what he said. If we refuse to forgive others... God will then refuse to forgive us. Why is that? Why is that? Here's the reason. Because if we do not forgive others, then we are denying the common ground as sinners in need of God's forgiveness. And if we can't admit that we have sinned, if we cannot admit that we need forgiveness, then we'll never be saved. But friends, if you can't forgive someone else of the very sins that you've just asked forgiveness of, God said, you're not deserving of my forgiveness. Man, we're loading the wagon today, aren't we? Hello? You see, we're kind of speaking into all of our lives. And guys, listen, this is is as sometimes thought-provoking and Shock factor for me as well whenever I get in here and really start digging these truths out. The Word of God, the Scripture says in the book of Hebrews that the Word of God is alive and sharp and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword cutting and asunder, dividing of soul and spirit. He has a way of just penetrating our hearts and really getting nosy in our lives, doesn't it? You see, that's what God wants to do. He wants to get in there and do spiritual surgery on every single one of us. So that we can become more like His Son, more like God. Number two, jot this one down. Real forgiveness. Real forgiveness does not keep track of offenses. Real forgiveness does not keep track of offenses. This is a scripture we read earlier in Matthew chapter 18. It says, Peter came to the Lord and said, Lord, how many times can my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus said to him, but seventy times. You see, Peter thought he was doing a very gracious thing by extending what the Pharisees and and the religious rulers of the world had said about forgiving someone. He said, I'll extend it to seven. Lord, you may forgive them seven times. And the Lord said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. We walk away from that thinking, okay, 490 times. And we start keeping a record. That's number one. That's number two. That's 300. That's 400. That's 450. Honey, you're running out. Four, seven, seven, 49. 490 is all I need. Help me, math teacher. Seven, seven, 49. 480, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 489. Barbara, one more time and I'm done. Okay? That's not what the Scripture's teaching. 
What the scripture teaching is that we need to have an ongoing spirit of forgiveness every single day of our life. We don't keep track of offenses. But guys, I have counseled individuals and spoken with them, and they can pull out on their hand and start numbering all the times that an individual has done them wrong. And I'll say, have you forgiven? Yeah, I've forgiven them, but they're doing it again. Just the fact that you're keeping count proves you haven't forgiven them. Hello? We're to have an ongoing spirit of forgiveness. And then number three, jot this one down. Real forgiveness follows God's pattern. Real forgiveness follows God's pattern. What is God's pattern? God forgives us. We are to forgive others. Real forgiveness follows that pattern. God forgives us. We are to forgive others. I wonder right now, as we have our song of invitation, I'd like every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. And they're going to come prepare for this song. And Sister Terry, if you will, just begin playing as soon as you get there. We're going to sing in just a moment. But I want us to do some spiritual meditation right now. Let's go back to our opening illustration that I borrowed from Chuck Swindoll about the story of the soldier in the Jeep and the sergeant that yelled at him said, we've all been hit. Guys, right now, everyone, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to think only of yourself right now. This may be painful, what I'm going to ask you to do. But it's the only way that we really can start walking in the joy of the Lord. I want you to think right now about the individual that has hurt you. That individual that hit you, emotionally speaking, and hurt you so deeply. I want you to think about the situation, think about the scenario, think about the hurt that you've been living with. And here's what I want you to do with that. Right now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, because this is not natural, we're dealing in the supernatural realm right now. We're dealing in the spiritual. You can't do this by yourself. But right now, with God's help, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, Right now, as you're thinking about that hurt, you're thinking about the pain, right now, I want you to forgive that individual. You say, preacher, you just don't... No, 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 no. Right now, forgive them. You see, because you're the only one that's getting hurt through this, They've moved on. They may not even be aware that they've hurt you, or they may be full aware that they've hurt you. It doesn't matter either way. The point is, they've moved on. What you've got to do is release that. 
release yourself. You've been incarcerated. You have allowed that to bind you. You have allowed that to rob you. You have allowed that to make you a bitter person. You're not experiencing God's joy. You've allowed that to put up a wall in your life and you're not trusting anybody else. You're going to live life the rest of your life by yourself. I am not going to trust anyone else because I don't want to be hurt again. Guys, I'll tell you, it hurts. I know. I've been there. We've all experienced it. It is painful. It hurts. You lose sleep. You have ulcers. You can't eat. You're irritable. You're grumpy. You're short with everyone in the family. Lost your joy. Guys, it's painful. I want to help you this morning. To do that, you've got to let it go. And just forgive them. Forgive them. And then ask God to forgive you. Let me pray for you. Father, God, there's something right now that are thinking about some individuals or a situation in their life that's caused great pain. Father, I just pray you'd help them to release that at this moment. Give them the supernatural spirit of God in their heart. Be the Lord of their life. Take the reins of their life and lead them in the area of of forgiving those individuals or that person that's caused them harm. Help them right now to forgive. May they cry out to your forgiveness. Father, I just pray that right now we would do business with you. In Jesus' name I pray.